Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, 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 hello. Excuse me, is this thing on? Is, is this hot? Hello? Hi. Hey, it's me, Kalechi Azia. I am back. Welcome to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Um, Cake and Kombucha, for those of you who are just tuning in, is a podcast that started in the before times. And I've been on a break this past couple months. I didn't know how long it was going to last. Thank you for tuning back in. Um, it kind of was a just a lot of things. What am I trying to say? I was about to say coagulating. That is not... Do I want to say an amalgamation? Maybe something like that. Of different things coming together. But I mean, you guys are also on the world that I'm on. And you know that it's in shambles. Um, for those of you who do tune in regularly, you might know that I did get sick with COVID. Took me a couple months to recover. Um, but my headspace was just not there. I felt like I just didn't have the energy slash... I don't know what the other word is. I just felt like I couldn't approach the news and everything that's going on and 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 tell it to you in any kind of way that was balanced in terms of levity. And I just didn't want to get on here and sob for 45 minutes. Um, I feel like there's there were plenty of voices that were speaking up and just better able than me the past couple of months to articulate things that were going on because I was just... I was just overwhelmed, you know, I was overwhelmed. I live in New York City. Uh, for those of you who might not know, I got sick March 23rd with COVID. Um, I think that's around the date I started showing symptoms. I have it written down because I was tracking my actual temperature every day. And um, so my, you know, I've had a very hands-on experience with the pandemic. And then I went from being scared for myself and people I know to then like watching the rest of the world I mean, rest of America rather just not catch up and act like nothing was going on. And, you know, here we are today. So I can't say that things have gotten that much better in terms of everything going on. It's just kind of, I guess you just need time to heal mentally. So I'm back and I have an interesting show for you today because I feel like the world kind of, you know, snapped into a little bit of, I mean, I, well, it is a huge problem that people are acting like the coronavirus doesn't exist and we just have to live with it, aka meaning like people are just going to die unchecked because the president has no plan to, you know, do anything that we really need to get done to mitigate the effects. But I will say that in the spirit of things sort of snapping back in human resiliency, you know, there are there are media drops to discuss. Um, there's people acting ignorant on the internet. I felt like I felt like there wasn't a lot of it wasn't a lot of foolishness online in terms of pop culture. Plenty of foolishness in terms of, you know, Karen phenomenon and things like that with BLM. But I just felt like even celebrities were bored and just kind of stuck in their mansions. You know, every once in a while, someone would say something a little untoward online and have to apologize, but nothing major. And I am happy to report that people are getting back to their regular shenanigans. So there's plenty to explore now. There's plenty to drag. And I've missed some major, I've missed you guys. I've missed sharing some major moments with you. Hashtag entanglement. I think I'm going to cover like a few things that are not quite current just really quickly to get give you a hot take. But um, today I thought we'd focus mostly on one of the most important topics in the world, um, Beyonce. So how could you not? And I think that's it for me. Uh, hi, I'm back. The show is going to be back at regular weekly intervals. And I will 
be updating things. I'm going to really use the, I'm going to use the thread too. I will update um, SoundCloud so that you get a push to wherever you're listening to this podcast from to announce, you know, if there's any more vacations of mine, but there won't be, that was long enough for me. And so what I'm going to do is just update you on Instagram at cake and kombucha. I will let you know when the episode's dropping. I'll, you know, I'll do the regular promotional things so that you like, you'll be ready and excited and hopefully I can slip back into your routine and thanks for having me. So let's, with that said, get right into the juicy, rich, expansive, cosmic Black is King. Black is King. Oh, Black is Chairman. Black is Ogre. I, I don't know what to say. They also you have done it again. They you have done it. Beyonce, come closer. I want to slap you. That's, that's how much I appreciate what you have done for these people. Okay? Um, Beyonce. Wow. You know, Black is King. Let's start from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. So Black is King is another visual album. Um, this is our third visual album. A lot of people forget the self-titled album was also I mean she had a music video for every song and that was like a huge thing at the time that had not been done and you know she released them all at once etc so that one did not have as much of a cohesive storyline of course as, as Lemonade and I would say this one tops you know Lemonade in terms of cohesion because it is a companion piece now I like that term because it is very expensive and Vague? Should I say vague? I don't want to say vague in a negative way, but I mean, it's kind of like, hey, Disney, give me those dwellers. I'm going to do something that is slightly evocative of some kings and shit that won't be no actual animals, except for the ones I'm riding on. And um, you're going to like it. You're going to release it on your platform. Thank you very much. Give me the coins. Sign the dotted line here. That's how I interpret a companion piece. So we'll get into a lot of different aspects of you know, Disney, whatever. So we're going to first just let me clearly explain what it is for those of you who do not know. Um, I know our relationship with media can be just hyper-focused in one direction now. Like, you know, there were months where I, I checked the rates, COVID rates at NYC every day. I listened to Cuomo and I, you know, say what you will about him. He at least made me feel like, hey, we're going to get these ventilators, you know, things that need to happen are going to happen. So I, I would turn, watch that and turn off the TV. Like, so I get it. If you don't know what's going on pop culture, I'm here. I'm back to help you. Hi. All right. So Black is King was a companion piece to The Lion King, which came out, I think, like last year, a year and a half ago. The Lion King remake is live action. Did anyone ask for it? I mean, I don't know. They're, Disney's doing that with all their movies. I cannot wait to see the Little Mermaid live action, to see like 3D CGI mermaids and just, if they put some whales in there, I'll die. Like, I'll die. I just, I cannot wait. But, you know, Disney has been doing this even longer than before I started paying attention. I realized that the Cinderella movie they did, the lead in that is this British actress who was then, who was on Downton Abbey, who then I saw in that 
delightful Beatles movie. What was it called? Um, Tomorrow, I think. So, I yeah, they've been doing this a, a while. Like, I want to say, like, eight years they've been pumping these out. So, it was long. Um, I was still in isolation when I watched it. So, I can't say that I really enjoyed it. I was actually hypersensitive to images of a more photorealistic baby lion you know, getting harmed and it actually, I cried. I can't, um, I mean, I'd be lying if I, I cried. So, you know, we do remakes. That's what happens. This is the time we live in. We, we have to remake everything. So the Lion King, boom, Beyonce was in it. Boom. She sang, you know, can you feel the love tonight? Boom. Her voice has been better used. There've been better duets. And then, what are the highlights? I don't know. So the highlight of that was that she made a companion album called The Gift to, was it a companion album? Yeah, it was a companion album. It wasn't a a soundtrack. So that album had songs with Afrobeat artists and it just had, you know, text voiceover from the movie like interspersed loosely But what I really appreciated was that Beyonce took an opportunity to take something about, you know, animals and make it about people. Because honest to God, when I was a little girl and The Lion King came out, I was a young kid. I'm half Nigerian. I'm an African. I remember my associations with Africa were people that, you know, I did. My dad did not, you know, grow up on a safari. So I don't when I thought of, of Nigeria, I just thought of like visiting family and stuff. And so I was really upset when I found out that the first uh, African setting for a Disney movie was going to feature animals. I remember like watching their like promos. How did the promos come out? Were they on TV? Were they on VHS of other things? I don't remember. But I remember being like, oh, poo. And it's funny because my little like what, like seven, six-year-old self knew with representation that this is my last chance to have a black princess for a long time. Like I, or maybe ever, I got that. I got that geographically, we're going around the world, we're doing our thing. This was my chance to have like a reason that you would have a black princess and instead it's it's animals. That doesn't mean The Lion King isn't good and didn't turn out to be great and have great music. I mean, it was Elton John and, you know, South African artists. I Forgive me, I don't know the name of the group that is... Um, that does the South African singing, but that's still how I felt about it. So anyway, Beyonce made this album, The Gift. I have to say, I did not listen to it all the way through. I I really, the Lion King title made me sleep on it. And also the only song that I'd really heard was, was Spirit. And I don't like inspirational songs. I am a curmudgeon. I'm a grumpy old man. If you bring in gospel choirs, even if you're a black person, if it's not a gospel song and you bring in gospel choirs and then there's a key change, I don't, I I don't like it. I feel manipulated. I just don't, I don't, it's just, it's just corny to me. That's just my opinion. It's really my opinion. I'm a weirdo. Maybe there's a rain cloud following me like above my head. I just don't like it. So I, I was not interested and I would hear my sister always playing, um, water, which goes, baby, oh, uh, let's, can, I'm not much of a talker. Baby, oh, can I drink from your water? 
and it's like super catchy. But I just, I don't know. I don't be like doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I didn't listen to the rest of the album. Boom. So now take us to last week. The visual album for The Gift comes out. So now we have a visual album for a companion, an album that was already a companion piece to The Lion King. What does that mean? It means it's very, very loosely based. It's up to interpretation. It's going to put some bits and pieces in there. But I just want to address the confusion of why Disney would like go for this because I saw some moms and Facebook being like, is this really for children? And da 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 And I was just like, I don't... Is are the Marvel things really for children? Like is ex- explosions and violence and fighting really for children? I don't know, moms, that's up for you to use your common ass sense. But what I do know is that it is beneficial to both Disney and Beyonce to have this relationship. Um, I don't want to see remakes of really excellent things, but certainly putting Beyonce in the the remake of the movie was a draw for people. And then think about what's in it for her. Does she really need to voice a lion? No, but I am just understanding more of her genius, her business acumen, her creative vision, I think is the word, her vision, because she said, what's in it for me? What do I get from this thing? That's honestly like I have done, you know, things way above this level before. What can I how can I take this opportunity and turn it into something larger? And so now I'm seeing it like she bargained and had her people or herself or Parkwood Entertainment. She she packaged, if you want me to do Nala, I get to do an album that I will put on so many Afrobeat artists, so many, I don't want to say Afrobeat too generically, like all different genres of African music, African artists, I will put them on. And then I will do a visual album and put that on too. So she got like two artistic vehicles for African people out of this one corny, you know, doing a voice for a cartoon for something that's kind of like uninspired in terms of remakes. Like it's just a remake. So I was like, wow, I see your whole master plan. Egg on my face because I I was late. I was late and I, I apologize, Beyonce. I'm sorry I was late. And you had a plan for us. You had a plan for us all. So with that said, it is on Disney. It's behind a Disney paywall. I'm sure we all, if you don't know at this point in your life how to make up as many email addresses as you need for different free trials, then you must be rich and I don't have anything to say to you. So do what you need to do to watch it because it's incredible. So I'm not going to go into a detailed breakdown of it because honestly, I don't even think I'm capable. I have a lot more work to do and a lot more research to do before I would even be able to give that to you. But I mean, it starts with basically like Afrofuturism. We see this image of this young black boy like catapulting sort of in a comet towards the earth. So right at the beginning, you're giving, you know, origin stories you're you're locating this in in mythology and lore in a cosmology of blackness and black royalty and black people being you know humans before you know the beginning of humanity and not even like beginning of humanity like it's a race but just you know that there's a part of the world where we feature in our own stories which is very you know which is how amazing is that and that extends heavily to religion, which is really important because religion shapes how man 
humans see themselves. And so we'll get into that part too. But that's how it starts. There's a motif of of Beyonce putting her baby in a basket um, and sending it down the river. And, you know, it's a biblical Moses type deal. And not everything is like explicitly clear. It's funny because it's almost like a choose your own adventure because that character she plays there ties in more towards the end. And so I almost wonder if she's just kind of like this omnipresent mother figure watching over this uh, young person on his journey. But I don't think a lot of things in there I don't think are that literal. And that uh, bothers people, we will find out, which news to me that art had to be literal. I wasn't aware. So then we go into just this lush, beautiful... Every song has a depiction... Uh, a visual depiction, obviously, video, visual album, and the images. I mean, when I think about the scope of what went into, some things are only used for one shot. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of looks in the movie, and 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 the work that goes into something that just appears for one second, but then you never see it again, but you know it was worthwhile because you remember it. Um, she had... Okay, here, I'll go to my notes for this part because I wanted to properly cite and include people. Okay, so artists, African artists who appeared included Wizkid, Mr. Easy, Yemi Alade, Busiswa, and I don't know how to pronounce the last name, forgive me, G-Q-U, G-Q-U-L-U, Busiswa, Glu, uh, never mind, Tima Savage, Nyjah, and St. J. And she also dropped the visual for the song King Already, You a King, You Know It with Ghanaian artist Shata Wata. Um, it, was, it was just the amount of time. Like she also had a, obviously she had a lot of screen time, but she also fully gave center stage to other artists, you know? And she's not even on some of these songs that much. She's doing background vocals to other artists. And the 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 album the gift alone is so beautifully curated and i don't know how to say this it's so sometimes certain music genres like reggaeton uh soca like to me can get really repetitive and i don't like when i'm at even at an african party and every song starts to sound the same you know like they play the the hits the songs that are popular right at that moment and then they play like 15 other songs that sound just like it so this it's not an issue with the gift. There's so many different flavors of African influence. There's like true mashups. Like there's hip hop in, for example, in the song Mood. There's a hip hop mashup with like traditional, I want to say Senegalese music with the beautiful guitar sound. And it just like fl- flows into each other. And then we have kind of more like, we have like definitely like Nigerian, you know, pop music influences. But you have more hip hop, you have things that are a little more kind of just like I would say like mood musics a la the beginning of Lemonade, like the little interlude type deals. There's something in it for everyone, but it's all very quite, quite, quite good. It's just very good. And it's also really impressive to me that Beyonce can come out with so many different genres. Like she has songs that I don't like that much, like um, 7-Eleven. I'll, of course I'm going to go off if she plays it because she makes it fun and dances to it. But I, I was like, I don't, me and Trap, I don't, I was just like, what, why? You know, I didn't like that that much. But but she has this 
gift for musical curation that is really, really, really stunningly impressive. So in any case, let me pick some highlight moments um, from the from the movie. So there was, was a loose story in the first two thirds of it that follows a young black boy who is sort of supposed to be Simba. And as it goes on, you see that it represents more of a coming of age, but also like a coming into oneself and, and ask questions just as black people about where we've come from, where we're going and how do you find a sense of home and a sense of purpose and a sense of humanity and belonging in a world that is throwing so many different things about you. And I feel like it sort of looks to answer those questions by grounding us in something bigger than ourselves in something spiritual and something, uh, you know, with blackness as a metaphor for royalty, but also as a metaphor for kind of like the cosmos and, and where we come from, which I thought was very, very beautifully done and, and unique because if you think about how deep our work to dismantling um, racism and white supremacy has to go, it has to start with the word black. Uh, it has to start with black being having negative connotations. It has to start with people being like, oh, I didn't know if black was offensive. And like, you know, how is black going to be possibly offensive, but it's also what I'm called? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We have to pick one. We can't be, it's, it's just, it's too late. We're called black and we need to embrace it and question all the times that we're tied to negative iconography. And so that ties into, you know, there's a lot of, lot of imagery that people are really upset um, by now where Beyonce uses herself in this Madonna imagery. Um, so in Mood, which is this extravagant, extravagant video that features a mansion, old white butler, synchronized swimming, um, it, it's insane. There's uh, Jay-Z is in it, it's a Jay-Z duet. And that kind of represents like Simba going on his little like journey to excess and after he's, you know, decides he's going to live the good life and not really go back and reclaim his responsibilities at home. Um, the Hokuna Matata moment. So there is a photo, I mean, not a photo, a portrait of Beyonce holding her child and as like the Madonna. And then there are angels in the background and instead of trumpets, they have Grammys. I died. Um, this is it cheeky? Did I know the Christians would be upset? Sure. But what people are kind of missing is that this sort of imagery of painting wealthy, privileged women as the Madonna, likening them to Madonna is like a Renaissance tradition that was done for white women. And so Beyonce is kind of like playing with images of the divine. I don't think she's literally saying I'm a God because because she's not Kanye West and she's not crazy. Like, I don't know, like, because I'm not literal. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know why people are that upset about it because it's just, there's a lot of anachronistic issues with why certain things are so upsetting to certain people in terms of Christianity. Like how many traditions from Christianity have nothing to do with the actual Bible or the origin of the religion that are just like we said, like things that you're used to because rich white people in the Renaissance era painted, you know, stills of themselves. And now you think it's rude for Beyonce to do that about herself that, you know, there's just no talk of oil painting in the Bible. So it's, it's just a lot of stuff like that is getting on my nerves, but to be, to wrap it up, like the, the costumes were incredible. Um, 
just absolutely stunning. Beyonce is in her full, like, woman, grown woman, mommy body, boobs on fleek, just boobies everywhere. Love it. Love it. Juicy. Just looking juicy. Um, You know, she featured black designer. She featured African. There's a, there's a, there's a, a frame that's been extremely debated, which I knew would be an issue. She is wearing a cow skin uh, bodice, a cow skin jacket, um, and on top of a cow. And then she has this hairstyle that has two horns coming out, cow horns, and her hair is braided in a like disc shape. So I screamed. I was like, bitch, you're a whole cow. This is awesome. She's wearing our, like my dad would bring home these real cow skin, cow hide rugs from Nigeria that were in like in our basement. And I was like, oh my God, she's wearing our rugs. Like this is where I feel honored. Um, But that image, of course, because of the horns is driving people crazy. And it just makes me sad because like Satan didn't even have horns in the Bible. This horn goat imagery is stuff that people added afterwards. Like most demons come from some white dude that wrote a book of demons. Like in the 1800s, he was just like, this is what I think the demons are. I mean, I don't like it was, he was basically like the JK Rowling of that period. (laughs) Like it was just, here's a story. And I wasn't, I knew that I, I identified with the animal print and stuff like that. Um, certain animal prints, not, not like all relax everyone, not like coming to America, but those specific like cowhide stuff. I was like, Oh my gosh, that looks like stuff you can really get at home. But I, I didn't know that her headpiece, um, exactly mimics, Egyptian goddess Hathor, which is, I think, fertility. Let me look her up. But when you see when you see it, there's no mistaking. You have seen it before. It's like the, you know, the hieroglyphic image with the the woman with a big circle on her head and kind of like the two. It's like a big orb on her head and the two. Um, they don't even look that much like horns in the actual hieroglyphics, but then later she is also depicted with horns. So that is most likely the the thing that was being represented. And I mean, it wasn't Satan because Satan doesn't, Satan's not a cow. I just, what I want to say about this is I don't understand. And a lot, because a lot has come out about how Beyonce is demonic, right? And that's a conversation now, which I knew it would be. She did a lot of other African symbology in in the movie. She has referenced Orisha's um, Yemaya and Oshun in her lyrics for some time now. And for those of you who don't know, it's really interesting. These are Orisha's that come from the religion Yoruba, which is the religion that Santeria and Voodoo and Condomble all came from. So the religion from West Africa, Nigeria, crossed the Middle Passage, and those gods now have different names in all different, in so many different languages. And then in the United States, there was this this syncretism with Catholicism because people found saints to represent you know, they found that Catholics, you know, worship of saints to be very similar to how they, you know, we have altars to saints and things like that. So they found that similar and a good fit. So slaves hid their religious practices in under Christianity and found a way to still practice when their culture, languages, and religions were not allowed. Um, 
So to see a lot of African-Americans and, and Africans online calling Beyonce demonic, look, everybody, that's devil worship. She's a witch. Like, did I 100% know she was going to be called a witch after this? Yes, because there were horns and things like that. But I just want everybody to think bigger. And I I got blocked from this man's um, post just for, just for a thought experiment that I wanted him to do. You know, I was just, I was being a troll, but I wanted also to make a point. And he said you know, uh, Oshun, Yemaya, like these Orishas are demons. They're nothing but demons like there. And he named them. This is like, I don't know demons. This is, you know, Jezebel. Is that a demon? No, this is Beelzebub. This is this person. This is this person. He basically assigned a Christian persona for every, he's like, don't be fooled. This is who these people are, like as if they're real. So my question for you is, if you as a Christian monotheist, believe in other religions too. Like you believe that the deities and other religions are real. Then aren't you not actually a Christian? Because I thought you were only supposed to believe in one God. This is what I'm talking about. Like you, you kind of believe in all this African older cultural things that have been subsumed, but you are not even aware that you do because I don't think most Christians are just like, whatever religion you throw at me, yep, Zeus is real, and he's, you know, he's actually, like, a demon, and da 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 No, like, you either just believe, you believe one thing or you don't. I, don't. I didn't know that people walked around, like, believing all world religions were real and forcing them into their own. Like, you literally assigned them new names. That's rude. That's not, that's rude. And the religions are older than Christianity. And then everyone wants to talk about how... Ethiopians, you know, Coptic Christianity in Ethiopia is like the oldest form of Christianity and great. But guess what? Much like, you know, Oprah Winfrey always identified with the Zulus and then Henry Louis Gates was like, no, no African-Americans came from South Africa on the Middle Passage. We also didn't come from Ethiopia. Like that's Africa is a very rich continent with different tribes, so many thousands of different ethnic groups cultures, religions. And if you want to say that it's, you can't be like, it's not a monolith and then be like, oh, but Ethiopia did this. That has nothing to do with you, sir, from, from Cleveland. That doesn't have anything to do with you. Your ancestors did not come from Ethiopia. They didn't. So I I just, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if you have to be Christian to, and I do want to be charitable because I know that if you believe certain things as problematic as they are, like, you know, that you're right about the way the universe came about and everyone else is going to hell. Like, if you really believe that, I guess you have to find a way to make it fit, like, for other people, you know, because you just do. But it's been so long since I thought anything like that that it's hard for me to understand, like, the logical leaps that it takes So sometimes I just have to remind myself, okay, people think this, and once you think this, then everything after it makes sense, right? But I don't know. I had a rough time with how you are actually going to make posts about how Beyonce is worshiping demons, because if she is worshiping anything, which she hasn't announced, she's just worshiping actual deities that are from another religion, and they're not demons to the people in that religion. So you call it a false idol or whatever, but this dude was like, no, they're real and they're coming to get you. I'm like, but no, you don't get to co-opt 
other people's deities and be like, and this is what they're really called. His name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. I bet you didn't know that. And he comes out on the full moon. So I was just like, this don't, this does not make logical sense. Um, but haters going to hate. So, I mean, the religious stuff is almost like, I mean, it's, it's hurtful. It's sad in a lot of different ways. It's sad how people don't know their own history. I, we obviously could do an entire podcast series of several seasons on just Christianity, how it was adopted in the new world by black Americans or, and how it was adopted colonially in Africa. And just what does it mean to believe something without pooping on everything else before you? I feel like religion has a hard time with that. And it's not something I have the answer to, but it's, it's just disheartening to see everything associated with African symbology as demonic because I feel like when people, you know, dress, do Greek mythology references and stuff like that, people don't come out and shout them down and say they're demonic. So we just consider it as like classical. And I think that I don't know what Beyonce's religious practices are, but I think that if anything, she is pushing us to question what is the basis of the symbols that we recognize what is classical? What is old? What is, you know, what has some sort of folkloric merit that we need to look to and find wisdom for? And, you know, stories in the Bible and stories in Greek mythology and the weird things in like the classic Greek playwrights and stuff, some of them I don't even find that relatable. I'm like, yeah, because every once in a while you kill your brother and then you turn into a pillar of salt. Like, no. What I, my point is that we just accept these very, very unique, unique circumstances in some of these myths and stories. And then because they're old and white and prom- promoted by white peoples, we then use them as this vocabulary of symbols that we make other art. And then, and then you could tell me that my art is smart because I, you know, some dude in it fucked a swan and, you know, Zeus, you know, Lita and the swan. But is that really, is, is fucking swans really deep? That's, that's where I leave that. Um, on to the other critiques. I mean, well, first I wanted to put in some more notes I had that she did this collaboration with a team of seven co-directors. Uh, two of them appeared in last year's Whitney Biennial, including Blitz Bazaule and Jen Nkiru. And there's just so many things that visual art cues that are definitely not you know, they're definitely above my acumen to point out and find. So I have to do more reading about it. What I really thought was interesting is that people were even referring, there were even riffs on kind of parroting how black art is exhibited. And the, the movie includes images from the 1971 book, Black Gods and Kings, Yoruba Art at UCLA, which is like a book that you would be familiar with in studying African art, like in an academic setting. And um, let's see, I named the names that I wanted to name. Okay, so I just want to read a sentence to you. This is from Rolling Stone. When Black is King was announced last month, Beyonce drew criticism for... That's where I wanted to leave the sentence. Um, Yeah, so... The problem with that sentence is that there was criticism when the project was announced. That doesn't make sense. Like, can you get off my girl's dick for one second? You were criticizing, like, people were writing think pieces about the perceived perception 
<laughs> that doesn't make sense. That or the possible pers- like that she would possibly portray Africa as a monolith. I don't like what. How is that? She took an opportunity to make an animals about move uh, a movie about animals into an opportunity to. I don't even. Anyway, that didn't happen. She, there, there were so many different beautiful tribes shown in traditional gear. There was cues that you would only know if you were from a certain country like Nigeria or something like that. I mean, it was just so expansive and awesome. Um, but there's this other second criticism that makes no sense that I've been seeing a lot of, which is that Beyonce is a capitalist. You guys might drag me for this in a couple years, and maybe I sound like your really right wing, you know, conservative auntie, and I don't know what it means. But like, what are you talking about? Um, she's a capitalist. I didn't get anyone to give me like an answer that made sense about what their actual problem was. I think it has to do with Beyonce like flaunting her wealth and talking about you know how she dominates and stuff basically things she does to put on the rap swagger that we never ever criticize men for doing but there was just a lot of critique on twitter from people that i want to say were under the age of 22 about things like well just saying things like she's a capitalist oh neo-colonialism that somehow portraying africans as wealthy is bad and then also, I read a horrible, horrible essay for as from Essence. It was posted on Essence. It, it had to have taken like two two minutes to write. I just don't. And it said that saying that black people are king. Well, what does that do to all the other people who aren't kings? Is it saying that the only reason black people deserve respect is because is if they're royal? Well, here's why you don't have to worry about that simple one because it was a metaphor. Not only. Are you going to invoke royalty as a metaphor for a movie that was a companion piece to a movie called The Lion King? There were also lots of symbols in it. So I just don't, I I just read a dismaying amount of commentary from people that didn't say actually one thing about the music or images in the film and only talked about Beyonce personally as if they knew her. And like they couldn't distinguish that she's playing a character when she's performing. She even named the character Sasha Fierce. I mean, Sasha Fierce is her is Sasha Fierce, but I just was very confused as to why you know the the really extravagant video mood. It was it was supposed to show that like the little boy Simba ended up in this house of like you know temptation. Then after that, he kind of had this little fall from grace moment. So I was like, what are y'all doing in school? And what do y'all's book reports look like? Is is this really the level of engagement? Is there something about, you know, like tweeting and 130 characters, 130 now or 160? Is there something about tweeting and, and snapshots of media and just how there's such, there's such a dearth of long form essays? You know, if I want to find an article that I can read on the toilet before I'm done pooping, I have to read like pretty much the New Yorker and that's it. Not even the New York Times that much. Is it, is there something that people are like unable to actually like take something in and think about it before they have a hot take? Because I just don't know what they watched. I'm honestly more on board with the people who 
um, thought she was a demon worshiper. I was like, at least you watched it. <laughs> like, you watched something. I don't agree with your interpretation, but at least you watched it. But yeah, I mean, people are just hating on Beyonce just for no reason. It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. A lot of people had problems with her portrayal of Africa. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't really know what to say. Um, I haven't heard anything that really made a lot of compelling sense. Um, whatever her business practices are with her husband, does it seem like they like to get richer? Yes. Does it also seem like they donate their money to a lot of charities and do projects and do things like mentor? You know, she put made Chloe and Hallie stars. You don't have to do that. As a female who's in an industry that values youth above all things, you don't have to go out and cultivate the two little hot girls that are going to grow up and take your place like you don't have to do that um she continually does really interesting like selfless things as an artist and yet and still she receives so much criticism and I can only say that it's because we all of us have to dismantle our own misogynoir we have even the black women I see criticizing her you think you you don't know that you hate black women, but to some extent you do think they're supposed to be in positions of servitude and humility and self-sacrifice because you complaining that a pop star is rich is weird to me. You don't want us to have like, you know, how many female black billionaires are there in the world? There's Oprah, Rihanna, some Nigerian ladies, that woman that married that old dude strategically. Like I don't, I just don't know what you want from her. And I think that people's inability to really truly articulate the way that they think she should act or their attempt to articulate the kind of strange ways she should be as a pop star are bizarre. Um, And perhaps it comes from that thing of when a cultural figure just becomes really big. But I'm sorry, I think it's a little bit basic to forget that someone is a pop star. I, I think that everyone who's in, intelligent enough to type any kind of sentence on Twitter is able to just take a moment and think, is this person Martin Luther King or are they a pop star? No name on Twitter who I was totally in support of for her dismantling of J. Cole. She tweeted a couple things throughout last week or the week before last when the video was you know about to come out. I wish y'all love Angela Davis as much as you love Beyonce, which is like, bitch, what? That's an insult to Angela Davis. Angela Davis is an activist. That's what she dedicated her life to doing. It's a very special type of person that would do that. Not not artists that make evocative arts and share of themselves sometimes. We have a really life full of different kinds of struggles, but it's a struggle to do something that at least, you know, it does. It, we didn't get into it because it didn't bring us some kind of joy in the beginning. Like you're lying. Anyone's lying if they say that. We like performing. We like doing the thing we're doing. But activist is totally different. That level of self sacrifice is quite rare, and brave. And I don't even know why it's something I have to explain. Like why would you compare Angela Davis and Beyonce? Is Angela Davis making albums that people can dance to? Like I would think that people like her, them for very different things. And it's just it's really frightening that this is what passes as intelligent. This is someone who has hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm not saying she's stupid, but that tweet was stupid. And then people were calling other people colorist for saying that what she said was stupid. I don't even, I didn't know what the girl looked like. I just knew she said something stupid. 
So it's a very weird clusterfuck that we find ourselves in. And perhaps, I don't know, I feel like these other side conversations just dampen the release of the video to me because I had to really, I thought that I would immediately be flooded with um, academic and intellectual like explanations of all the symbols in it. And I had to look to find it. I had to kind of scour the internet a little bit more than I thought. And I would find these things like, do Africans like it or not like it? And they'd be like, Africans not in favor. And they'd, they'd tweet, show a tweet from someone that wasn't even viral, that got three likes that, and that person. So what kind of consensus is that of like, so that's one African's opinion. It was just, it's just weird. And maybe my algorithm's off, but I have been disappointed in people um, for trying to put a damper on this, but I, I hope that Beyonce isn't bothered. I'm sure she is. It's going to be one of those things that when you, you know, we look back in years, it's going to be like a huge, huge moment. There's going to be classes taught about it in colleges. And I honestly think it's it is of the magnitude that as an artist, you can be like, I've left my legacy in the world. Like if you die now, you will be remembered forever. That's how majorly, not, I'm not someone that like, you know, I want people to get their flowers in their lifetime, but I just feel like it's of that magnitude that you can be like, look, I pulled out my resources. I manifested something so huge. It's bigger than me. And I can just be proud of myself forever now. (laughs) That's how, that's what an accomplishment I think it was. So bravo to Beyonce. All right. Part two of WAP and Kombucha. Yes, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about it. Um, So I'm recording this in two parts. So you heard me rant about Beyonce, and now we're going to get into, uh, before we wrap up, just talk about this WAP debacle phenomenon. The WAP is not a debacle. People's reactions are debacles. So Cardi B and Meg The Stallion, um, they released a duet together called WAP. And it stands for Wet Ass Pussy. That's what it stands for. It stands for WAP. I'm sorry. WAP stands for Pussy. Pussy. WAP stands for Pussy. And Pussy is for me. Well, it's not for me. I mean, I have one. People are really upset. And I don't know why. And I I always try to see both sides, even if I very openly disdain the other side and talk shit about the other side. I really do try to see it. So I have done my best to compile my thoughts quickly of why this song was perhaps a little more hitting people's prudent sensors than other songs. I mean, apart from the obvious ones like misogyny and misogynoir. Okay, so let's get into it. So this this song was a huge, um, much-anticipated collab between the two ladies that are at the top of the rap industry right now. I'm not including Nikki because I feel like she's done more like arguing with people than music of late. And it, it's just a little distracting. But she's pregnant. Congratulations to her. So Meg and Cardi are huge. They have this collab that has this very BAP, <laughs> for another acronym, um, look. Like they have the, the swoop-de-doop, swoop-de-doop updos, very 90s, very bright, fun, overly lined lips, like that kind of thing. And, I mean, the first visual you see is this mansion that is flooding, water is flooding out the doors. So 
I think things that are over the top are funny. So to me, it was comical. Um, it's, it's campy. It was campy to me. They had um, the ladies walking through this like crazy mansion where they opened the doors and different people made cameos like Normani. Um, there was a Latin singer whose name I didn't catch. So I didn't recognize her face. But people that are loved the world over uh, were just representing in different rooms, being sexy, being fabulous. And then they had water choreography, splashing in the water, and they had some snake handling uh, Meg and Cardi B were on the floor, kind of in their little, um, what was Queen of the Damned, like I would say, moment with the snakes entwined around them and giving you sapphic energy, giving you, you know, a little bit of tongue in each other's directions type energy. I personally didn't think it was, I mean, these are to me music video tropes at this point, the being covered in water and slick down hair oil thing. I mean, from J-Lo with Big Booty to... And that's just the most recent one. I mean, if she does that, I feel like every five years. Um, to It reminded me of uh, Christina Milian when she... What is that song? Dip it low, pick it up slow, turn it all around, stick it out, make his back hurt. Pop, pop, pop that thing, that one. Yeah, she has a, you know, covered in oil. It's a thing. It's just a thing people do. You know, it's not a thing I've really, well, yes, it's not a thing I've really done. Let's say that. So that's kind of the vibe of the video. Let's get into the lyrics. They're, they're explicit. They had to change, you know, for the radio, it's wet and gushy. And which is, <laughs> to me, like gushy is just like a word that, I think it's kind of a gross word. Um, so I just, I'm not into it. So to me, wet and gushy sounds more than worse than wet ass pussy, but to each her own, her own type of moisture. Um, so the songs, how does the song? So first of all, it samples, you know, the house music hit from the 90s. There's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. If you see them, point them out. So it's, there's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. Uh, Certified free, seven days a week. Wet ass pussy, make that pull up game weak. And I just cracked up because Cardi B's extra. She's extra. So to play devil's advocate, the words are graphic. I think discussions of moisture make people uncomfortable. Even if we're talking about, you know, if a man were to come out with a song that was just saying like, <laughs> my pre-cum's drippy like I think people would be like oh we're used to now we're and we will get into 50 11,100 metaphors for men talking about their semen you know shoot up the club and uh all skeet skeet goddamn and all those things but I just think yeah it's is it a little biological is it a little gynecological slightly slightly um and I think the fact also that the song is slow, which was actually one thing that I wish it was faster. So you could just really get a good like, you know, I don't know, 80 BPM twerk on just a good it's 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 bump bump. So you're going to do kind of like a wine twerk thing. It's it's very slow. So you can hear everything that they say very clearly. And to me, let me pull up the lyrics really fast. I don't find the metaphors to be metaphors. They're more like similes. Like, it's more like, I sit on his face like a cowgirl in the rodeo, like, type things. It's not quite like, 
It's nothing that you have to like think about afterwards and be like, oh, that's what it meant. I guess that's what's meant by the word explicit. I guess that's what explicit means. So in that sense, everyone can kind of, you could kind of make out every single word, which isn't the case with a lot of nasty songs, especially with the way people don't enunciate anymore and do mush, mush mouth mumble rap. And the beat is slow enough for you to pick it up. So to me, I feel like those are some reasons why something explicit can come off as a little more explicit. Like, let me think. Yeah, beat it up, nigga. Catch a charge. Extra large, extra hot. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Now, we all know where the credit card swiping thing came from. That came from um, Nelly in uh, Tip Drill. So, again, we'll get to that. Um, I want you to park that big Mack truck right in this little garage. I think that's not the right rhythm. That's I mean, yes, that's a metaphor. Uh, what else at the end was funny? Um, there was something that made me laugh. Well, I did think it was funny when Meg the Stallion said she was paying for her tuition with her WAP. Switch, switch my wig and make him feel like he cheated as a wig wearer. We all know that trick, right? Um, big D stand for big demeanor. I can make you bust before I ever meet you. You know, she's reminding the girls that, you know, with OnlyFans, webcam, you know, just with 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 talking, with know how to talk that talk, baby. You don't always have to put it out. You know, should you be more of a introverted type of hoe? Like, you don't always have to go all the way. Oh, this is what was funny. The macaroni in a pot. That part had me dying. I'm talking wop, wop, wop. That's some wet-ass pussy. Macaroni in a pot. That's some wet-ass pussy. Onomatopoeia, that killed me. Uh, onomatopoeia is, you know, when you, when you make a sound that is... I'm not explaining it well. It's when you, 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 you use a word that sounds like this, that's imitating the sound it's supposed to be. So WAP is not only an acronym, but it's the sound of a wet-ass pussy. And I just thought that was funny. Okay, so boom, those are the lyrics. They're explicit, but my real thing is like, so what? They're explicit, and what's next? Because, A, I was confused that people expected anything different, and so first let me address who I'm talking to. There's been a huge internet backlash about this that has even leaked into, away from black Twitter, to mainstream media to the point where my mom was like aware of, of what uh, right-wing commentator Ben Shapiro had said about it on Twitter when he got dragged. He he said that he checked with his wife and the only time a pussy would be like need a mop and bucket would be if it's some sort of infection. And he said, my wife's a doctor. I believe she's a chiropractor. So that, again, let's be careful. And then he's the, the internet just clowned him. They said, oh, so you're this is verbal confirmation that you've never made your wife's pussy wet. Okay, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so my, you know, it's, it, this has kind of permeated the mainstream, I guess, because the women are quite famous and they, they are getting to be somewhat like just general pop culture figures. I mean, Cardi, definitely Meg, I meant like getting to be, they're not just in the rap game anymore. Like kind of they're everyone knows who they are. They have mainstream endorsements and things like that now. So people are tweeting and having opinions. There was a politician, some stupid right wing person. I don't even know. He, some senator or something was like, I accidentally listened to WAP. I tweeted him, if you accidentally listened to it, I would really hate to see your internet browser history. Who does things like accidentally listen to Ratchet 
rap music when they're like a middle-aged white pastor and then you're going to tell us it was an accident stupid anyway people have opinions and they were largely negative and condemning of them and i was highly confused cardi b is a stripper who came to fame being a stripper who was funny and rapped on instagram she has never shied away from that she has never hit it Meg the Stallion, I was first introduced to her with big old freak, big booty, big old, I don't know, what is it, big old cheeks? That's just me spitting game. I don't know. That's me. That's my freestyle. I'm not sure if that's the words, but she has exclusively sang about sex, and I first met her, you know, in a squatting twerk position also. That's her brand, and we, you know, we needed a little Kim. Nicki Minaj doesn't even give that quite in that way because Nicki says nasty stuff, of course, but she's also, you know, kind of that rap Lady Gaga weird thing with the barbs and all her different characters. Like, we haven't had, you know, a Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim energy, Big P energy, in a minute. And so I I just don't understand what anyone is confused about because they always sing about things like this. Always. Always, always, always. Are they talking about their pussy and what tricks it does and how many people buy them stuff? Cardi B lets you know, I don't cook, I don't cling, look at this ring. And honestly, I think that's what makes people mad. I mean, people don't like when women who, well, people don't like women owning their sexuality. They don't like singing, them singing about all the things that they get from sex and like using their sexuality the way they want to. And they definitely are irritated by someone like Cardi being like, yes, I'm married. Look, I did all these things that you want to do or you said I was supposed to do that that is, you know, in some places a holy sacrament, in some places this like Christian convention. And I still, you know, I got there by, of course she didn't just get, he didn't marry her for, you know, her sexual tricks, but her saying like, look, I got all the things I want. This is the way I got it. And I'm proud of my, my little, my little kitty friend. People have lost their minds. Now, the real hypocritical thing is that the black community who has always, I would I will say it ranges from been a fan of to tolerate this type of of talk. We we feel really differently about it. I went through my phases. I was very aggrieved by a lots of well. I mean, what do we do? We we you dance to it in the club and then you hear what certain things are and you're like that's disgusting. I'm offended. It's certain people permeate your little that little border mentally you set up for yourself more than others and. You know, if people like The weekend, like, I don't fuck with him because he's saying about drugging someone, you know, a long time ago, drugging a woman and sleeping with her. And I also just can't deal with a warbling. It's too much for me. But I, you know, we all draw our internal boundaries. And, but I mean, mainstream rap music has talked ex- almost exclusively about money, getting money, whether it's by, you know, from the rap game itself or by illegal means. And... Fucking bitches. That's what rap music sings about. I think, do I think it's redundant? Yes. Was I a nerdy girl that always liked the conscious rappers? Yes. Um, and to this day, I, I don't like rap. I, I feel like I separate in my head kind of like workout music, club music to what am I actually going to listen to where I'm like really taking all the lyrics in on a deep level, especially now. Um, but at the same time, this is just par for the course. So I really need someone to explain to me how, why men are on Twitter saying things like these women are a bad example or saying things like 
you know, you women don't know how to respect yourselves and you want us to respect you. When when I was in high school, songs like Slob on My Knob, Like Corn on the Cob, Lay in the Bed, and Give Me Head were extremely popular. Or Uchi Wally Wally, Uchi Bang, she really, really, really know how to work my pussy. He really know how to turn me out. I mean, these were songs about like actually like pimping women that are popular. It's It's very confusing. And there's been a lot of witty responses. I mean, one man wrote in a satirical tweet, like, I, a straight man, am offended when women sing about doing sexual things with their own bodies. I only am turned on when I hear men talk about doing sexual things. To illustrate that anything you don't like that they did in the video... It's like everyone is fine with with the video chicks in the background doing those same things. But it's like now you're hearing from a would be video chick who's like in charge of the situation and you're mad that she has a mouth and is saying things like though the music fits perfectly together. You're talking about having sex with as many women as you want and using them for sex, but also for your ego because they are tokens of your wealth, your power, your prowess. And so that's, you know, your what your penis gives you and what your money gives you, whatever, your masculine tokens. And then the women on the other side are rapping equally shallow, but, like, why are we judging each other about, you know, my pussy and wh- what I can do and what it does and what it gets me and however they feel like using it. And so we just have the same cycle that happens of, eternally broke men complaining about people being gold diggers like again you're not in danger of digging because you don't have any gold and then people being hypocritical I don't want my kids listening to this first of all why would your kids be listening to this why I don't do they still have parental is that parental warnings is that still a thing like why are you I mean the radio is a dangerous place you know my grandma uh, my dad's side my Nigerian grandma I remember she saw us watching like vibrant thing on VT, all the women shaking, and she just like turned off. She's like, "No, this is not. This is not. This is not good." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and then you know, she left the room, and we turned it on again because we're bad kids. But I don't feel like there's a cohort of parents that are like, "Well, let me not speak for everybody," but I, I just I don't think that they meant it to be played on Sesame Street. So again, that's an argument I don't relate to. Um, I had an interesting conversation with my mom about the kind of music that is, you know, white industry heads have promoted and pushed our way. And it's something I do want to do more research on. And it's something that, you know, it's true. Like you look at who is put to the forefront and what sells. And but I, I kind of feel like while that is a specific conversation about about images that have been promoted in the community and who has had to sacrifice what. I still think that I don't generally find that the most like profound best music often doesn't correlate with what is the most popular. I feel like that's been true like since the 70s and 80s. Like it's just you know, and was I am I are all my favorite artists in R&B the ones that are on the top 40? No, they're they're not. I I feel like people don't like instrumentation. People don't even care if something's live or not. Like arrangements need to be very simple for the radio. I mean, there's just a lot that I feel like has to be kind of dumbed down musically. And um, I will say that, you know, Cardi B dig it online and said, you know, conscious female rappers, y'all don't pay them any mind. You try to compare me to them and say, why don't I act like more like them? And then when I try to talk about something else, 
It don't sell. So I went back to talking about my pussy and guess what it sells. And we stand someone who's plain spoken because she's always been quite, quite clear about what money means to her. You can't insult her by saying she had someone help write something. So what? Um, she's not, she's like, I'm about the coin and I'm, I like rapping and this is what I do, but she's not, she, you're, you're not, she's not going to win your purity test because she's not going to play that. So I kind of think purity test, no pun intended that I really meant in terms of, you know, artistry and is she a singer songwriter? No, she's like, bitch, I'm not a singer songwriter. So I don't really have much to say because I filmed, uh, recorded rather this, Black is King segment, like, last, almost last weekend, and this is now the 13th that I'm talking about WAP, I don't want to just sound like I hate everyone, and I'm sure probably back-to-back it does sound like that, but I'm super confused and alarmed by the extent of that hypocrisy. Like, I remember just riding around, you know, a couple years ago when when I was on the road, and I would get a rental car, and then I have the radio... And that's kind of the only time I listened to radio. And so, unless it was NPR, because I'm a nerd. And I just hear Chris Brown featuring on a bunch of different songs. The first one, I'm like, is he the only person who can sing in America? Like, why does it have to be him? I've never been a huge fan of his vocals. And it's just always about beating up some pussy and eating some pussy and da-da-da-da. And I, I was just like, is there... And moisture. Lots of talk about moisture. So it's okay when the men talk about it. But it's not okay when women talk about it is basically the baseline. I, I just think it's crazy. I just can't remember the last time a man made headlines for talking about his dick. I mean, what about the whisper song? Wait till you see my dick. I will beat that pussy up. What? Like, this is, this, this is, this is what we da- used to dance to or, or play by David Banner. Like, or anything. I just, I'm lost. I'm really lost. I don't know how your ears are that like oh my god cardi b said this but everyone else can say anything else like you need to check in with yourself because it's strange and so i like i said i've tried to allow for explicitness and we don't talk about vagina moisture a lot we don't it's not something that's talked about a lot um i just don't know if that in itself i mean i had to check in with myself about what made me a little more like oh this is a lot because it's not like I didn't feel like it was a lot but I feel like I am able to to look within myself and say what is the thing that I'm reacting to why do I feel that way about it and what does it mean and so I can conclude that I am a little like okay y'all went in y'all girls really just went in and laid it bare but that doesn't mean that it's wrong and that doesn't mean that it is like they're degrading themselves. It just means that I'm not used to hearing as a woman talk about her pussy that openly. And why am I not, you know? So then I'm like, okay, so I'm not saying like it's, it. well, in a, in a fair, in an equal world, we would all talk about whatever parts we wanted to talk about, whatever. I'm not, everyone can have different metrics for like how much detail they want to hear, but I know that I don't have that reaction where I hear men talk about their dick. I'm just like, okay, this is what y'all do every day. And sometimes I think it's redundant and sometimes I think it's not creative, but I'm not like surprised. So I had to interrogate that little amount of surprise in myself. And I'm sharing that with you because I don't want anyone to, 
I don't want like it's not like it's just like blase, you know, it's a bold choice. It's a bold song title and it's meant to be provocative. But I don't think that like we need to look at why we're provoked and is your provocation for the right reasons? Do you have that same energy for other things? I just think this is all things we need to keep in mind before we think piece something to death. So, you know, I'm, I was glad to see like the older people talk, you know, 40s, 50s talking about Freaknik and like their version of nasty songs. And everyone has their own nasty stuff that's celebrated. And then there is also something to be said for like, there's a place for nasty music. There's a place it's, it's kind of like, you know, enacting this other side of yourself that's that you get to let loose. That's not the nine to five, you know, part of yourself. And you go to the club and you be, act ratchet. It's, it's, it's your Sasha Fierce. It's whatever you want to call it. Like there's a play, time and place for being ratchet and that can be fun. And it doesn't mean, you know, I read someone tweet, you know, I, you know, this WAP won't ruin your daughters. I grew up listening to Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown and here I am scared to start an OnlyFans. And I died because that actually might be the next job move for most of us in this pandemic. So <laughs> I just, yeah, I think that it's very clear that the reactions are misogynoir, um, I would even go so far as to say racism. No, I won't say racism. I'll say misogynoir, like hate for black women. Sorry. And I just, I also think, you know, I, I will say that their fame probably elevated them to a place where they're getting criticized more, but it's, it's really odd to see people from other corners of the internet culturally. And I'm not saying white people. I'm just saying people who don't fucking know that Cardi B is a stripper and always talks about this. Like anyone who is surprised to me is random at this point. Like, why are you, why are you like this? I don't know. Maybe because Savage became like a TikTok thing for kids. People who didn't know what Meg the Stallion usually rapped about. I don't know, but I like these women. They're fun. Meg, especially I stand and I stand her getting her degree, getting these coins, going and being a student and then going and being a star. It's really funny. And great for her. It's smart. You need your degree. You don't know what's going to happen with this industry. Um, so that's basically all I have to say about that. I and I wouldn't even have been able to film this segment like before my break. I would have honestly been just like sad about like why people are so hypocritical and like how to break through the noise. But now I'm just like whatever. Y'all are whack. The end. Wop. Okay, that's me. That has been Cake and Kombucha with Kalechi Azier. Um, for the actual kombucha fans out there, GT's, which is the only kombucha brand I really wholeheartedly endorse. There are some other smaller brands that are kind of like indie that I can say taste very good, but in terms of like the actual health properties, I really kind of only ride for GT's. They're kind of the original. They have three new flavors out, Pomegranate Power, a golden pineapple and roseberry. I love a floral that I can drink. So it's been a great summer. I don't think without those kombucha flavors, I would have gotten through the pandemic. I'm not being paid to say this. I just am genuinely excited and want to share um, some healthy treats that you can find for yourself. They're, they taste great with tequila as well. It's an automatic mixer. Don't have to feel guilty about it. Um, that's all for me. I am so excited to be back. I'm happy to be back in the saddle and it feels really natural to be here. So I hope you guys didn't 
um, miss me too much. I know there was a lot of other stuff to follow and just coping. You know, I was pretty much watching just COVID reporting. And then one day I was like, you're not a research scientist. You, you're going to have to stop. No one knows anything else. You got to put this down and just do the best you can do. So I'm excited to share just this episode that was narrowly focused on music. But I mean, obviously with the news that has just been dropped in us, I will be back shortly in a couple of days to share with you my thoughts on Kamala, Rhymes with Pamela. And I'm just excited. It looks like we're, we're about to be in the thick of it. I mean, we're in the home stretch and we might we might could get to November and, and be in a, in a, and find our country different than where we left it, which was going to hell in a handbasket. So stay tuned for that. And I will announce it on my Instagram and let you know, obviously here with the upload. So yeah, that's it for me. Kilechi AZA, actress, singer, writer, if you're new, uh, Miss AZA, if you're nasty, and I can't wait to engage with you guys soon questions, comments, you can hit me up online or at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. Peace. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kelechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out melaniejbcharles.com. <laughs>